fourth watch starts now. Hello, everybody. You're listening to The Fourth Watch with Justin Fall on The Fourth Watch Radio Network. I hope everyone's having a blessed week. Tonight is going to be an investigative look into a role-playing card game that seems to have predicted many events that have come to pass, as well as many events that are in the process of happening right now. We've got a lot to cover, so let's go ahead and start the adventure. Submitted for the approval of the Fourth Watch Radio Network, I call this episode Illuminati Card Game with special guest Doc Marquis. Oftentimes we see movies or TV shows that seem to predict future events. Hollywood is known for its psychological mind control method known as predictive pre-programming. It's just one more way that the Illuminati will telegraph their punches for everyone to see. But with the rise of role-playing card games back in the 80s, in 1982, Steve Jackson of Steve Jackson Games, SJG, published the first print of his conspiratorial Illuminati card game, which was so stunningly accurate to the Illuminati blueprints for the world that the Secret Service raided the offices of SJG in 1990. Now, we don't have time to go over all the cards, but I definitely want to briefly go over some of the cards and their descriptions, as well as their meanings. Some of them are actually dealing with current and coming scenarios, so we're going to go ahead and hit those first. Then we'll bring on Doc Marquis to discuss some of the cards that have already been fulfilled. Now, with the economic crash that has affected so many people, and the bailouts, and the rising tide of nationalization and fascism, I feel it's necessary to have a look at a couple of cards that depicted such a scenario in order to bring about a global economy. Now, I'm pulling out some information and some excerpts from the Cutting Edge Ministries expose on some of these cards. First of all, we have the Currency Speculation card. This card shows currency being initiated by a hand which has just flipped three coins into the air. Interestingly, the top coin has the favorite symbol of the Illuminati imprinted on it. A pyramid with an all-seeing eye. This card is showing that the global monetary system will be fully run and operated by the Illuminati. The only way for this to take full effect, ladies and gentlemen, is for the standalone nations to be totally destroyed of any monetary system. Clearly, the current economic crisis worldwide seems to be comprised of actions on the part of banks and insurers. And they win while others lose. I want to point something else out, that on the same playing card, there's also a wall of gold behind the hand and the coins, and this wall of gold is stacked up solidly, and it seems to indicate stability and order by the Illuminati. Now the plan of the Illuminati most definitely foresees a return to stability and a return to order, but only after this current crisis has achieved its purpose. Some people are going to wonder, well, what's the purpose? The purpose of this crisis, this financial worldwide crisis, first of all, was totally engineered 
But the purpose was to overthrow the old system that we know as capitalism so that the new system or the new planned economy known as fascism can be installed. Once this transition is finished, the stability and the order that are so important to a modern economy will finally return. But this time, with the government clearly in control of all the key industries and with the economy of the developed nations clearly operating completely in sync, that the system will be a global economy. This will be an economy in search of a global currency, friends. It's going to bring every nation together. And it's going to be parallel with a global messiah. But back to the gold. The gold is going to be controlled by the same people who will control every major industry. And when the new order is comprised after the crisis ends, it will finally serve its purpose. Now, speaking of the function of gold in a future global economy, I want to go over an interesting news story that I found from 2009. This is an excerpt from Jerome Corsi's Red Alert. And this is truly mind-blowing to see how this is all moving right along. When the dollar collapses, digital gold as a private bank managed currency may replace it for international transactions. Digital gold is a form of electronic market which is backed by gold storage. Private clients deposit gold or buy gold reserves from the digital gold bank. Private clients then utilize digital gold accounts to make or receive international payments. Payment values are determined by the price of gold, which is backing the transactions. Globalists are now promoting digital gold as a private bank solution to the potential devaluation of fiat currencies. Private bank digital gold is a move away from traditional fiat currencies, which are issued by nation states, such as the dollar, where there is no backing by gold or silver, and the currency has a floating value determined by world currency exchanges. The idea surfaced in a January 2007 article in the London Financial Times by Ben Steele, a senior fellow and director of international economics at the CFR. When the CFR is behind something, you can bet your bottom dollar that the chances are good that the new plan will definitely be implemented. We're dealing with the CFR here. Don't forget that. Now, Steele has consistently argued that a regional currency should replace the dollar on the way to a one-world currency. Gold banks already exist that allow clients to make and receive digital gold payments, a form of electronic money backed by gold in storage. And this is happening all around the globe, he says. Could it be that this Illuminati playing card that we just talked about, titled Currency Speculation, will lead to this type of a digital gold economic currency? I mean, after all, nearly every single change which the Illuminati has envisioned has been enacted only after a scripted crisis has erupted. But digital gold may very well be the plan which is in view from this new card. Now, problem reaction solution, ladies and gentlemen. Let me break this down real quick for those who may not understand. They manipulate the people by creating a perceived problem. So the problem is created by the powers that be. And then the people demand help from the powers that be. Then the powers come up with a solution to their own problem to save the day. Now, this same solution they would have never been able to sell before making the people scared with a synthetic problem. Problem, reaction, solution. Now, you can have your opinions about the economic collapse, but it's all absolutely controlled and manipulated 
And it's all been set up as a scheme to destroy our monetary system and our sovereignty. And this is happening all over the globe. It's not just happening in America. But it's okay, because they have a plan. The Illuminati has a serious set of tools, and they can fix it. (laughs) Thank you, Spicoli. Now, this moves us into the next card that's entitled Nationalization. What exactly is nationalization? The dictionary defines it as the process of taking a private industry or private assets into public ownership by a national government or state. It's pretty much the polar opposite of what America was founded on. And yes, it's already in effect. And let me remind you that we're talking about playing cards that were printed back in 1982, foreseeing all of these things. Now back to the nationalization. This is exactly what was happening in the bailouts and the various industries that we've been seeing on the news. Now that government bailout monies are flowing to the key companies which are most in need of an infusion, and which the government has most targeted as the companies to be controlled in their first wave of fascism, the word nationalization has finally made it into the air. And folks, true fascism allows private individuals to retain ownership of all means of production. For example, factories, mines, and the distribution network which is required to sell their products that are manufactured. However, this socialist type of nationalization can prove to be a useful tool along the way to a fascist economy. If a company or a group of companies provides resistance to the plan which is outlined by their new government master, the government might have no choice but to nationalize the company. So they'll fire the current ownership, reorganize the company, and then resell the company to private investors. You can bet that the new private investors will thoroughly understand their expected role in complying closely with the new government edicts. They're going to force people to do whatever it is they want them to do. And if they don't follow, boom, you're out of the picture. We're going to find somebody else who's willing to take orders. And that's how the government works right now, and it's only going to get worse. Now, the details, back to the card. The details provided on this particular card are very instructive. And I want to examine them, but I also want to explain that every card that's part of this role-playing card game has instructions that are printed on the face. And the instructions on this particular card are pretty realistic, and they're very telling. The card holder is told that he or she can play this card at any time. You see, the government always has this nationalization ace in the hole when dealing with company executives who are reluctant to cooperate. This threat lies in the background constantly at all times. This card also has these requirements for playing. It requires actions by either the Illuminati or the government groups. Now, if you look at this card, you'll notice that a corporate entity cannot initiate action. Only the Illuminati or the government can begin the action to nationalize a company. The card also states that the target group becomes permanently government. (laughs) So if it was corporate, that alignment just got lost. Now, in nationalization, the government becomes the permanent power in the boardroom. Even if the government spins the nationalized company back to private ownership, the former freewheeling days of the corporation has been permanently lost. Now, currently, already, President Obama has announced a top limit on the pay of the executives who receive government bailout funds. And the corporation is permanently eclipsed by the government once that takes place. Just like in the Illuminati card game, the card that we just examined. 
I also want to make one more reference here that actually relates to both cards that we discussed. So we have the forcing of the collapse of the monetary system and the nationalization. And then we have the forcing a socialist nationalization to guide us into a fascist nationalization. Not only are major corporations involved in this, but also student loans through what were once called private lenders. And finally, the talk of forcing socialized medicine, all pushing the nationalization card found right in the deck of the Illuminati playing cards. And I really want to go on about this, and I really could, <laughs> but we need to go ahead and go to the line with Doc Marquis to hear about his take on some of the cards. Doc, welcome back to the Fourth Watch. How are you tonight? I'm doing great, Justin. How have you been? Oh, I'm 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 alive. I'm breathing. So praise God. <laughs> How are you tonight? I'm working on a major project um, that right now I can't really speak about. I will speak about it later on down the road because I want everyone on board when this major, and this is indeed one of the biggest things I will have ever done. And I need everyone on board for this. But yeah, when it's ready, I will, you know, make all the necessary announcement, let everyone know what's going on, so on and so forth. Okay, well, you've told us a little bit, so apparently it's not that big of a secret. (laughs) Well, you know... I'm just kidding. I I, I told you no, but really. You know, know, I just want to let everyone know that um, the moss is not growing underneath my feet. I am working on something very big, very important. Okay, and we're excited about that, and uh, I know that everyone listening right now will be more than happy to join us in prayer. Uh, to be praying for this situation, this can I can I just call it an endeavor? Yes. Okay. That would be yeah. Good. So yeah, we just want to ask that everyone would be praying for this this endeavor that the Lord would have His hand over it and that His will be done. And uh, I know a little bit about it, and my lips are sealed. But praise God, we know that that something really cool is going on right now, and something that is not such a secret that we're going to be talking about tonight is the Illuminati card game, as you already know, guys, and as you know, Doc. But we want to kind of go a little bit deeper than a lot of people have talked about. And this is one of those things that's really interesting because the cards aren't just some kind of a magical prophecy. I mean, they weren't created as a game. Uh, Unfortunately, there's going to be people that say, oh, well, it's just a game, it's just a game. But real quick, I want to throw this little story out there, and Doc knows this story. But one of our friends years ago used to play these card games. And for those of you that aren't familiar, there's games like Magic, Dungeons and Dragons, uh, Magic the Gathering, Pokemon, whatever. They're role-playing card games. Well, the Illuminati card game got brought over to my friend's house. This is what happened. So they they put they, they all dealt the cards, and they're playing a game of Illuminati, New World Order. And she began to get bored, and she said after a while, she said, you know what, I can't even play this anymore because it's not even fun. And I had to tell her when we talked about it, I said, well, it wasn't meant to be a fun game. These cards were put out as a game, but they weren't meant as a game. They were meant to come out to say, hey, look, this is what we're going to do. I I won't even call it a warning, but I'll I'll go as far as to say this card game was put out to, quote unquote, telegraph the Illuminati's punches. Well, the cards were actually created so that they can inform all their followers, those inside the Illuminati, 
of what their future plans were going to be. And when we look at the con, if it wasn't for the fact that I'm a born-again Christian, I would say that they were prophetical in nature. They're not prophetical per se, but what they are are the actual plans the Illuminati had already written out between 19, excuse me, between 1982 through 1995. You see, there are seven sets that comprise the whole of the Illuminati cards. And the printing dates were between 1982 and 1995. That's exactly a 13-year printing. And trust me, Justin, it wasn't 13 years for no reason at all. And these cards, as I stated before, they're broken. Um, they originally comprised seven sets with literally, I think it's a little bit more than 800 cards total. And it was designed. So that anyone on the outside would believe that this was just another one of those playing card games along the lines of Yu-Gi-Oh, um, Magic the Gathering, Pokemon, that type of thing. And basically, it, it, the, the game, the whole premise of the card is, you know, you're um, one of who knows how many players who's trying to take over the world. It's, and if you look at the um, even the cover of the um, box set says, I mean, it says I-N-W-O, which is Illuminati New World Order. But that's the premise. As I stated before, the cards themselves appear to be prophetical, shall we say. Um, one of the most immediate things I will show people when we deal with the cards are the events that transpired during 9-11. Now, when we look at the original um, box set, that was printed back in 1982. So it wouldn't be for 19 years until the events of 9-11 happened. Now, when we consider 9-11, we know certain things, I mean, happened beyond the shadow of doubt. We know that the first thing that obviously told us something was wrong was the first plane crashed into um, Tower 1, I believe it was. Well, at first, everyone thought that something, just something bad happened. No, no one um, was yelling terrorism or anything. We thought something bad had happened. And it wasn't um, not even a half hour later that the next plane arrived and hit Tower 2, I believe it was. And at that point, things started falling into place because shortly thereafter, we know the Pentagon was hit. I don't think it was hit by a plane. I've got footage that tells me it was a Scud missile. You could watch the film for yourself. We also know as events transpired throughout the day that the White House is supposed to be hit. The Capitol was also supposed to be hit. If you remember, both places were vacated. And I've got all the original footage of what happened that day. I had, you know, when 9-11 happened, I was putting in one tape after another as soon as it was filled, popping another tape, so on and so forth. I knew something major was going down and that this was, I had to record it for the sake of posterity. Well, eventually we found out as the day went on that this was a terrorist attack and that one of the first people we were blaming was Saddam Hussein at the time. You know, eventually, you know, 
we got it to where it was definitely Osama bin Laden. His name came up, but um, he wasn't nailed as, you know, the number one perpetrator. It wasn't until maybe a day or so later that we finally said it was him definitely. Do you remember that, Justin? Absolutely. And, I mean, when, when I saw it, I, I was woken up. And I was sleeping in at the time, and I had afternoon class, and I was woken up, and I and I saw what was on TV, and uh, and I knew something was going down. Unfortunately, I was not privy to the Illuminati at that time. Um, at that point, I still bought into the left-right paradigm. I mean, that was 2001. So, I mean, a lot's happened since then. But yeah, absolutely, I remember it exactly. See, 9/11 was one of those days that years, years, years down the road, people are going to ask you. Where were you when 9-11 happened? What were you doing? It's the same thing was, same thing along the line of, where were you when John F. Kennedy was assassinated? I remember where I was and what I was doing to this very day. So knowing all these things, when we go to the Illuminati card and start examining what was going on, well, the Illuminati card proclaimed exactly the events of 9-11. If we look at a particular card, it's called Terrorist Nuke. It shows the Twin Towers, and even more interesting, it shows an explosion exactly where the first plane had struck. I mean, I've got a photo of the card, the um, Terrorist Nuke card, and I'll show you the um, photo of the actual first strike. And when you compare them side by side, it was exactly where the card said it would happen. And then we also had the Pentagon card. Now, what's interesting about the Pentagon card, this is what's really interesting. When you look at the card, just as just um, as when you look at the original photo, now I've got the photo, the actual photo when um, the Pentagon was hit, but and you see this massive, I mean, this is a massive ball of fire. You know, the, the split second it happened, this this ball of fire, if I go by the looking at the building right now, has to be somewhere between 75 to 100 feet tall. And um, the Pentagon card doesn't tell you when you look at it what hit it. It's unknown. You don't know what struck the Pentagon. And it's the same thing in this original photo. You see, I had a number of friends in various news outlets throughout um, not just America, but the world. And when I was talking to my friends afterwards about what was, what, you know, had hit on the Pentagon, the one thing, and this is what all of them told me, that there was absolute no plane debris in the area at all. None. Now, if this was supposed to have been the job of, you know, some type of 747 or whatever the plane was, I mean, there'd be wreckage. It would be so obvious. And that's not even counting the bodies. Not only was there no plane wreckage, but if this was a plane, where's the little black box? It's hard to, to talk about 9-11 in the Pentagon without me saying this. And uh, I, I was up doing a video job. Many of you know I do video production. I was up in Washington, D.C. doing a video job with a very well-known, best-selling author, New York Times best-selling author. Um, for his protection, I'm not going to say his name, but he's been on 
Wolf Blitzer. He's been on tons of CNN shows. Um, I'm up there working with him, and he had my brother and myself into his living room, and we're all sitting around talking about the video project we're doing, and 9-11 came up. And I made a comment that he made a comment about the Pentagon and I made the comment that it was not a plane that hit the Pentagon. And he says, what? He says that, that you guys are crazy. And, and then his wife came up and said, no, no, they're right. It wasn't a plane that hit the Pentagon. So he picks up the phone. This guy's heavily connected. He calls somebody at the federal bureau. That's all I'm going to say. And then an agent came on the phone who was his friend. He asked the guy, he said, I've got I've got friends in my living room right now. They're telling me that, that a plane did not actually hit the Pentagon on 9-11. It didn't take the guy very long to say, nope, was not a plane. Yeah. You look, as I says, I've got the footage. I've got um, footage from a camera no one was looking for or looking at. And it shows. Um, now, it could very well be a drone. Um, you'll have to see it. Like, um, but it could very well be a Scud missile. Right. The, and the reason I say either or is because when I think of a 747, now a 747, as I recall, I think it has a wingspan of well over 30 feet on either side. It's massive. And we're talking about trying to bring something that's absolutely the largest commercial flying plane that I know of in existence, unless, you know, the 767s are beating it or the 777s, but we're talking about bringing something down from, let's say, about 25, 30,000 feet to where it's literally about 10 to 30 feet above the ground and hitting the building. I can't see how that could be done, you know? You're dropping it down, and basically you're skimming right above the surface of the ground so you can hit the Pentagon. I don't see how that's possible. But no, I mean, scientifically, it's not possible. I mean, there, there, there's, uh, I forgot, over 1,500 or more engineers who have come out together against the official story. Now, I've been around for over six decades now. One thing I know, after seeing, you know, after being, you know, raised in the Illuminati and seeing everything that's going on right now, and since, you know, those early days, I can't help but think to myself, especially when I look at the events of 9-11 and certain other events that we know that have happened, if there is no conspiracy going on, why isn't there? Because we, we've got so many people in our government that are most, that this is the most corrupt, the most lying, the most doggedly trenched corrupt individuals I've ever seen in my days. Remember, I, I was a product of the 50s. I've never seen anything like this in all my days. This is beyond a corruption as far as I see. And my goodness, if people can't see something's wrong by now, they're from another planet. Well, everybody, everybody knows from another planet. I mean, let's just consider the events of Benghazi. And let's consider that um, Hillary, oh, dear Hillary, wants to be the president. You know, well, with all the baggage she's carrying... With all the stuff she's been involved in, I am absolutely gobsmacked that people are actually considering her to become president. But I think the good on the good side, people are beginning to wake up. Her popularity points in the polls every single week is dropping. Now, I, I want to get to Hillary in one second, but, but I need to say this uh, before we move off of the 9-11 topic. 
one of the things that 9-11 also ushered in was the the NSA being able to tap everything. And, I mean, your computers, your phones, your texts, everything, anything and everything that can be tapped is tapped. And right. the Illuminati card called the phone company came out. And I'm just going to read you the first part of the card. The phone company is capable of highly sophisticated traffic analysis on all calls and can access any computer connected to the net. So when right. you when you draw this card, you basically have freedom. Right. The idea behind that is you can get information out of your opponent, you know, and, you know, by using certain methods. In reality, yes, that can be done because of a particular, shall we say, black project done by the NSA known as PRISM. PRISM was basically, as you put it, basically a way of tapping into various forms of communications, especially through um, the computer. Now, this began in 2007 when they first started tapping through Microsoft. Then in 2008, it was Yahoo. 2009, it was Google. Um, between 2010, that would have been Facebook and CalTalk. 2011, that, that was YouTube. 2012, they had Skype and AOL. And in 2013, Apple was added. They go through the back doors and they're looking at all the information people are posting, whether it's just a simple email or personal photos or videos, they are watching us. And they just wanted to throw this card in there to give you the power to watch your opponents. And then they go on to explain what it's for. So, exactly. I mean, we're seeing this all over the place, but, but let's, let's go even into another place. Uh, let's talk about the black president, okay? Because we're not dealing with a, a card game that just came out a few years ago. We're talking about, I mean, th these plans came out in the 80s. Um, the first set was printed in 1982. They were released. And they were released um, sequentially um, in the form of seven different decks. So by the time um, 1995 arrived, he had more than 800 Illuminati playing cards out there, you know, different ones. But they were literally, millions um, were sold. You can find the boxes completely unopened, but you're going to pay an arm and a leg to get them. I mean, well, the latter decks are easier to find. If you want to get um, the original first edition, um, that has um, originally 450 cards in it. I looked at the prices on eBay and such. The, those the, uh, for a complete deck, the complete original ones are selling between three to five thousand dollars. I'm just glad I'm just glad I've got the original in my possession because I could never afford that kind of money. Man. When we look at the cards again, um, as I said. We find out that once the White House had been half um, empty out and the same thing with the Capitol, well, we were told that, um, that they could that they were supposed to be hit. But the Illuminati playing card said the White House and the Capitol would remain unscathed. And that's exactly what happened, exactly as the card stated. Both buildings remained untouched. And the rest of the story where we find out Saddam Hussein would have been originally blamed, and eventually we found out it really was Osama bin Laden. Well, they have a Saddam Hussein card right in the deck. 
So the whole of the story is right there for everyone to see. There's no doubt of it. And all these events we're speaking of, as I said, let's say with just 9-11, what we just covered, both cards said that event was going to happen 19 years before it did. Just like, um, okay, um, the event that surrounded the BP oil spill. Um, there are there um, Illuminati cards, two in particular I can remember easily off the top of my head. One shows an oil rig over the earth and that oil is spilling. But if you look very carefully where the oil um, um, slick is, you know, where the oil spilled, it's definitely in the Gulf of Mexico. Exactly. And when we look at um, another card, um, that one is, well, let me see, the first one, that's called Multinational Oil Companies. The second one I can think of, that was called Oil Spill. And it shows um, what I think is, what, what, it looks like a duck, if I, as I recall. You know, and he's covered in, you know, this thick, gooey substance. And in the background, you can see um, um, a ship that was sinking, you know, um, because of this oil drudge and everything. Now, what's even more interesting, now we know the events of nine of um, the BP oil spills happened. There's no doubt of it. I mean, come on, folks. Again, you'd have to be living under a rock if you've never heard of these events. Um, there was a particular movie, Justin. Um, have you ever heard of the movie called Knowing? Sounds Cage. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, the, the, I won't go into the details of the movie, but there was a particular scene here um, in which Nicolas Cage comes back. And now I, um, this movie, if I remember, yeah, this when this movie was released, it was it came out exactly. And I mean, exactly to the day, 13 months before the event or before the BP oil spill happened. Nicholas Cage comes home. It's very late at night. He turns on the telly. He looks at the clock and it's 11.59. He looks back at the TV and all of a sudden this newscaster um, on some news show um, just announces that there was in the Gulf of Mexico now and it shows the oil rig and everything um, that's billowing out smoke and everything. There was this massive um, oil spill and everything. He Nicholas Cage looked back at the clock and it was t- midnight exactly. And, and of course, it should be because this broadcast show came on. Now, here's the interesting part about this. Um, the whole premise of the movie is based upon a series of numbers that was written on this one piece of paper, um, a school book-sized newspaper, 50 years ago. Now, when you look and these numbers are actual prediction of disasters that was going to happen. Those weren't just random numbers. They were longitude and latitudes of where events was going to happen at certain dates. Well... As soon as he saw the oil spill, he looked down at that paper, and I always show this carefully to everyone because this, beyond any shadow of a doubt, proves the Illuminati hand. Because remember how I've told you in the past, the Illuminati always mocked their territory? 
Every time. Remember that? Yep. Well, he looks down at the paper. Sure enough, dead center is 666. Yeah. Right there. So I knew this event was definitely going to happen. And exactly 13 months later, the BP oil spill did happen according to the movie and especially according to the plans of the Illuminati New World Order playing cards. You know, and, and to go back even further than that, I mean, what about Princess Diana? Well, we go to, um, again, we look at the Illuminati playing cards. Now, folks, you have to understand the politics of the English monarchy to really understand these two cards. When we look at the playing cards, one is called Princess Died, the other one is Prince Charles. Now, when you look at the um, crown that Prince Charles is holding in his hands, going by the Illuminati cards now, he's holding what's known as the St. Edmund's crown. That is the crown that is always used when a new monarch ascends to the throne and towards the end of that um, ascension, they will place the crown on his head. That, um, whoever the monarch is, be it a king or queen, that will be the one and only time in their entire life that they will wear that crown. Once um, the ceremony is over with um, and they go out to meet the people, um, they are, um, that crown is removed and they are given um, another crown to wear that they will wear for the rest of their days. But the St. Edmund's crown will be retired back into the Tower of London. Now, again, Prince Charles is holding that crown, which means he will become the next king of England. However, Princess Diana, you look at her card, she is wearing what I, she was, well, what, what, I'm trying to remember the name of that particular, it's a tiara that was given to her on her wedding day um, by Queen Elizabeth. I believe that is called um, the teardrop tiara because the pearls in it is formed, you know, like teardrops. Mm-hmm. I believe, yeah, I believe that one is called the teardrop tiara. Now, if she was going to become the Queen of England, she would be wearing the Queen's crown. And she didn't. She never got to wear it because Princess um, Diana was murdered. I don't think it was an accident. You see, again, I have so many contacts, so many friends in journalism, and the reporters that were first there in that Paris tunnel where the car hit um, that column, the reporters, after I spoke to them, and you won't find this in the papers, but they told me that they saw bullet holes in the back of the car. Not surprising. Now, I don't think Princess Diana would be driving around in any vehicle that had bullet holes in it. No. I think, you know, as it says, because of the circumstances involving her divorce and that she was later um, dating Jody Fayed, I think the Illuminati did take her out. No, and it, obviously it was foretold in the Illuminati cards because she wasn't wearing the crown that she would have been wearing yeah. if she was it actually. Showed, yeah, it showed she would never become the Queen of England. There's no doubt of it. I, you have to know um, English tradition, how things are done. 
But with what I just told you, ladies and gentlemen, there's absolutely no way she was going to become the Queen of England. There was none. Now, um, there's a, a, an interesting series. Well, well, let me just get into this um, next um, one. Um, we know, any shot of doubt, anyone who watches the news or um, reads the papers, I don't know how many people do this anymore, um, when we look at the um, Illuminati playing cards, according to what the storyline says, um, there was going to be a huge IRS scandal. Um, and that this um, IRS scandal was going to involve, among other things, a person um, who is deeply entrenched who would um, leave the country, um, go to Japan, and then go to Russia. And um, all this involved um, espionage at its highest source and infiltration into America. And when we look again at all of the events portrayed in the Illuminati cards, well, it happened exactly as they stated, because there was um, not just an IRS scandal, but the second card that goes with it involves the NSA. Of course, you know, National Security Agency. Yeah, it makes me wonder who are they protecting, us or them. <laughs> but um, when we look at all these events, well, these scandals not only happened, but there was a traitor, according to the card. His name was Edward Snowden. When he first um, ran with all that information and left our country, uh, and exactly according to the cards, um, this whistleblower, and there is also the whistleblower card now, this whistleblower would first go to Japan. And where did um, Edward Snowden first go to? Japan. Yep. And after that, according to the card, he'd be going um, next to Russia. And where is Edward Snowden right now? He's in Russia. And all this because Illuminati cards that um, one in particular that spoke of computer espionage. And that's exactly how it all happened. Hmm. And again, when we look at what these events, the IRS scandal, for instance, this involved, my goodness, governmental um, heavy handedness against the, um, our population in a way that no one would have imagined. We were, I mean, the, I should say, the, um, the IRS was browbeating and delaying anyone who was trying to form any organization or opinion against Barack Obama when he was running the second time for the presidency. It's been proven, and, there, and there's quite a number of cases right now in various courthouses now, in which is being proven one after another that the IRS was using their power to prevent these people from creating their organizations in time or threatening them um, with one tax audit after another, after another, after another. This is all come to light and we haven't even seen all of it yet. 
And the other part of it, let's face it, according to the Illuminati cards, would involve the NSA. And when we look at how they were, um, how they had established and set up PRISM. Now, let me explain this quickly. PRISM is a project that was labeled Top Secret, in which they were using 40 different training slides to train their various agents on how to use backdoor methods to which they would gain information about individuals throughout America and other parts of the world also by going through the back doors, as I said, of Microsoft, Yahoo, Google, um, Facebook, PalTalk, YouTube even, Skype, AOL, Apple, how to, you know, go through the back doors, get the information on whoever you want to, and you could leave through that back door without leaving a computer um, footprint. This is what it involved. And um, in my possession, I have um, a copy of all those slides. I have all 40 in my possession. I can show you exactly how they trained their agent. In my, their agents, mind you, every single one of these slides are labeled top secret. So... The scandal involving the NSA um, gathering up intel illegally on American um, citizens is exactly what they had been doing as the cards had stated, that there would be these scandals on the NSA, the IRS. And, you know, it's interesting. I mean, I, I am, again, I am just overly gobsmacked at all these, you know, at people who say that they don't know what's going on. You know, I mean, I mean, the head of the IRS was Lois Lerner. If you remember, she oversaw the tax exempt groups, you know, at the IRS. Well, she, she pleaded the fifth. She pleaded the fifth and said, and mind you, this, she pleaded the fifth only after she stated, I was not involved in this. I don't know any of these things. And this is just the common theme. I don't know. I don't know. Lois Lerner stated she didn't know what was going on. Um, Douglas, um, what was his last name? Shulman. He was the former IRS commissioner. He told Congress that there was absolutely, and this was in March of 2012, that there was absolutely no targeting of anyone based on their political group of affiliations. And that was the year, you know, that they were trying to get, you know, Obama reelected and all this. Oh, no, nothing like that is going on. And then, of course, there was Steve Miller, who was the acting IRS commissioner, you know, um, ever since that other one was, was, um, was replaced. And he was forced to resign his position like um, Lerner. Um, who can forget Sarah Hall Ingram? She was the former head of the IRS tax-exempt division. Now she's in charge. I can't believe this of the IRS office that's responsible for overseeing the new tax laws in Obamacare. Mm -hmm. Every single one of these people, not only will let off the hook, but if we look at Sarah, my goodness, she was given a promotion and she's received more than $100,000 in bonuses. So you see, the new theme in capital, and you know, at, at, at the White House is 
Oh, it doesn't matter if you do anything wrong. Um, we're not going to punish you, and you're going to get a promotion and um, a raise. This is the new theme. Well, Crooks get rewarded. While the innocent people, you and me, are, you know, being literally um, stepped upon on, on our necks by everything that they're doing. I mean, just with the scandal alone, you know, um, the IRS, they targeted grassroots, uh, grassroots groups, patriot groups, Republican groups, okay? Um, I remember there was one particular um, conference in 2010 that the IRS held. It cost $40 million, but no one can find any receipts. They were wasting money on making films to encourage employees. My goodness, there was, if you can believe it, they also wasted, I don't know how many, hundreds of thousands of dollars on giving their employees line dancing lessons. <laughs> Government credit cards were also being used to buy porn. The IRS members, would, they'd be spending taxpayers' money now for vacations in Las Vegas, where they were having all these orgies and drinking um, champagne in all those different bathtubs. Um, they'd be getting all, you know, spending your money, my money, our taxpayers' money for suites in Las Vegas hotels. And now, after this was, you know, revealed, the IRS, accidentally posted, and mind you, I emphasize the word accidentally, posted thousands of social security numbers online. As, in my opinion, as an act of vengeance against um, people like you and me who dare stand up to them and say, this is wrong and it is going to be revealed. And if you look at the other um, Illuminati cards in this, it showed, among other things, the grassroots support card. It showed the Senate investigating card. It showed, of course, the Las Vegas card. And, of course, all these things, as I said, would be covered. If you look at the cards again, it would show the NSA, um, the IRS scandal and the NSA scandal. There's a couple of things that I want to point out real quick. And, um, and again, I don't want to over-speculate on anything. It's no secret that Ancestry.com, and, I, and I've said this in, in a few shows over the past few weeks that's come up, Vlad the Impaler, he has ties to the bloodlines of the British royalty and the Bush family. This came out on Ancestry.com. Interesting, oh, yeah. but interestingly, I wrote about, about the connection of Bush and um, the presidents to the royal family at least a good 10, 15 years ago. You see, every single president except one, I can't think of it off the top of my head because my mind is racing a mile a minute right now, um, are directly related to the British royal family. Every single one, even. Um, um, Barack Obama, because Obama is related to George Bush. And the Bushes are related directly to the royal family. As far as I could tell, um, President um, um, Bush was, I, I believe, was the third cousin. And um, um, Obama, I believe he's a fourth or a fifth cousin removed. So we've got, we've got cards for other royalty. And then interestingly, we see a card for Count Dracula. 
Now, again, yep. I'm not going to overlook, I'm not going to overstep a boundary here. I'm not going to try to point too deep into that. But we also have a card, and this is what blew my mind. We've got a card called Messiah. Okay. Oh, you've got two cards there that go that link together. I know the one you're talking about. You see, the first card I remember, it's called Charismatic Speaker. It shows the same person. I mean, I mean the card looks exactly like the second one, but. From charismatic speaker, the person becomes the new Messiah. Those two cards link up. Among other things, if you look at the cards, there's these gold triangles or um, capstones that will appear on one of the four sides of whatever card it is. Some have two. These, that means certain cards have to do have to directly connect with another card so you see the hidden meaning the full hidden meaning i should say and in this case with charismatic leader that connects directly to the messiah card because that charismatic leader as prophesized in the book of revelation in the bible we find out that becoming antichrist is a charismatic leader at first but as Revelation chapter 13 um, shows out, he eventually becomes a global dictator. And he's also proclaimed to be the new Messiah. Both cards must be joined for that full story to play out. First, it's charismatic leader, and that charismatic leader eventually becomes the new Messiah. What's your take on the idea of this rapture prediction in the Illuminati card game? The Illuminati card game does speak of the rapture. And it's very interesting that the cards themselves state it's going to be a pre-tribulation rapture. And I can tell you succinctly and beyond any fear of contradiction that if the rapture were to hit right now, the Illuminati could cover it up and get away with it. There's no doubt about it. And the whole of the story can be found in the Illuminati playing cards. I wish I could get into it, but I know we only have a minute left. I want to just run through a couple of quick titles here. We don't have time to break all these down, but I just want to let people realize, you know, we've got population reduction, okay, in New York. And, and this is not referring to 9-11. This is something totally different. Uh, we've got Center for Disease Control. Okay, we've got epidemics and quarantines. We've got combined disasters. We've got killing for peace. We've got the rising of secular humanists, which <laughs> if we've ever, I mean, I'd say now we have that more than ever. Um, I mean, we've got, we've got TV preachers. We've got, I mean, guys, I could go on and on here. We've got fraternal orders, secret societies, all of these things have been depicted in the cards. So if we're looking at seven different sets of cards. The original box set had 450 cards. Afterwards, they came in like set. Um, the, I think the second set was 100. Then after that, there was 90-something. Then I think the next was was 125. Okay, I'm, I'm looking right now. I found the um, I found the version 1 from 1995. Uh, has 450 cards in it. And it's, it's no, called. No, that's 1982. Uh, this one's 1995. It's a. Uh, it, um, that has to be a much later printing because the original set 
on the box set, uh, 450, was first printed in 1982. If you look at the um, printing um, on the instructions when something was printed, you know how it always says copyright printed, whatever date. The original one is 1982. Yeah, this must be a reprint, but they they put out yes. the 450 box, uh, 450 card set in 1995. They're calling it version 1.1. Um, so obviously, if it is, it's the original one that's been reprinted. I'm guessing, but they've got it here, 435 dollars unopened on Amazon. And what's interesting about this is that they allow people to come in and post little comments about their purchases. And one guy made the comment that it's interesting that they put out a game, which is based on a thought <laughs> that there's a dark force running everything. And that's the mindset. You know, that's the way people are looking at this is, oh, well, it's just a thought or a theory, but the cards fall into place. We didn't even have time to go through a lot of them. I mean, there's so many of these cards that if people just saw these things, and, and, and I'm going to encourage everybody, just Google Illuminati cards. And just look at the face value. Well, if people want to see the cards we've spoken about and others, I put them in DVDs 1 and DVD 6, heavy in DVD 6, to show how all these things were planned ahead of time. And we will go through those cards. DVD 1 was called Arrival of the Antichrist. DVD 6, that was the Illuminati is fulfilling Bible prophecy. And also DVD 13, which was called Dictators of the Illuminati. I will show you folks conclusively beyond any shadow of doubt what those cards are really saying, what they were really all about and their true intentions. In closing, let me ask you a question. This Steve Jackson. Steve Jackson. What do you think about this guy? I mean, how would this guy be able to come out and create something like this? I mean, what's your, what's your thoughts? This is what the FBI was interested in. When they raided his office, um, took all the computers, all the files, and brought him in for questioning. How could any one person possibly know what was going to happen at 9-11? You see, there's only one or two possibilities here. Either he is in the Illuminati or... Um, the Illuminati is controlling him. In other words, he's a puppet. You know, do this, you know, for us and we'll make you a millionaire, you know. And they could have done that through one of their own people. It could have either way could very easily have been accomplished. Where did he get his intel? And, uh, you know, it doesn't take much brain power to figure out that he was, he's, I mean, he's an insider. I mean, somebody yeah. was lining his pockets, somebody just like with the show 24, the show 24, they had people from the Bush administration sit down with the writers and give terrorist scenarios. That's how the, the show 24 was so real. And, I, and that's right off of watching the news. I saw that on, on national television. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got people that sit down and work with people. They play out the scenarios. And here, and here we go. We see it in the card game. We see it in the movies. So, again, the reason that I wanted to kind of talk about the cards was because so many people have heard of them, but they've never really seen some of the actual information from the cards. Folks would go to my website, www. It's a God Thing Productions 777.com. On the left-hand side, as soon as the front page loads, you're going to see a taskbar, a blue taskbar. There's a section called um, um, the Illuminati Playing Cards. Open that up, and I will show you uh, quite a number of examples 
of what the cards had predicted would happen. Or I should say what the cards planned ahead of what was going to happen. I got to say one last thing in closing. And this is, this is a, I totally forgot to bring this up earlier. There's a card that's called Rewriting History. And when you look at the card, it shows like a schoolroom, like a classroom, possibly after hours. And there's a trash can with the school books thrown into the trash can. So this card depicts academic books being thrown in the trash can. It represents the use of a public school system by the Illuminati to weaken and control the people through false teachings such as evolution, abortion, acceptance of gay lifestyles, and so on, which is what we're seeing right now. Throw away the foundation that we used to have and replace it with this liberal satanic doctrine. And that's what we're seeing right now. Yep. You got your common core going on. You got, you know, we're teaching the kids to accept Bruce Jenner as a woman. I mean, uh, you know, and it's just, it's not stopping. It's getting worse. So, nah, but if you dare raise a finger to that one, you're going to be called a bigot. See, that's one of the way that they're attacking Christianity now to weaken its base and eventually to destroy it entirely because um, of events like this. And they're going to continue in this tenor. And trust me, this is not going to end. This is just going to continue. You're seeing the birth pains of the demise of Christianity. People are going to be accepting it. People who think they're saved, who are really not saved. I mean, we, we know there's a false gospel floating around. But there's going to be people who are, who are totally on board with this false Christianity, thinking that, oh, yeah, well, we're Christians, we're Christians, and they're supporting all this stuff. They're in for a rude awakening. And the real church is going to have to go underground eventually. And the false church is going to be just like the false church in China. But by supporting these things, they deny Christ. Absolutely. And, and I'm going to say that. I want to say this this last thing. You go to China and there are churches that you can go to. But the real church is underground. Don't be mistaken. If you visit China, folks, and you see that there's churches up that are so-called Christian churches, the, the state-run Christian churches, that's not the real church. They're submitting to the government, doing what the government says. Oh, yeah. They are controlled definitely beyond um, China. I know a bunch of missionaries in Russia and China that these people literally are putting their lives on the ground so they can smuggle Bibles into the country. Oh, why would yeah. they do that? Why would they do that if there's churches on all the corners? Because you know, as well as I do that those are state-controlled churches, and they are told what they can and what they can't preach about. I met a guy from China, a very successful businessman, and I met him through uh, another guy who I was doing some ministry work with. And I told him, I said, oh, you know, this is great to be able to meet with you and talk with you because my dad went to Hong Kong, and he, he, went, he went over to different places in China on, on a mission trip, and he came back telling us the stories about how persecuted the real church is over there and about how they're meeting underground in these home churches. And the guy looked at me like I was crazy. He's like, oh, no, things are great. We've got churches all over the place. And all I could think about was, dude, you are duped. I mean, you're, you're the typical poster boy for the Illuminati church. You're going to these mainstream churches in China. You're duped. Mm -hmm. And I'm yeah. thinking, what is my friend doing hanging out with this guy? <laughs> this is, see, this is what's going on. True Christianity is slowly being pushed underground because, A, any the, the churches in America, um, the vast majority of them aren't preaching the gospel like, like they should be. I mean, I mean, honestly, Justin, I don't even remember the last fire and brimstone message I've heard come from the pulpit. I don't even remember the last time I heard something like that. 
All I hear now is this fuzzy wuzzy, make me feel good, new age, NIV gospel that isn't worth two cents. Love thy neighbor. Yeah. Don't judge. Oh, no, 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 no. But love the person even more because remember, prosperity movement. Yep. Um, a Joel Osteen, Creflo Dollar, among others in that line. And then let's not forget, we've got mainstream Christians who are now um, advocating Christlam, you know, bringing in um, the Muslim faith into the Christian um, faith, and also bringing in the Catholic faith into the Christian faith, and that's Rick Warren. Ah, Rick Warren, yep, Saddleback. Yep, let's hear it for Chris Lum. Is he out of his mind? No, you know, he, he said that he forgave the guy who sold the gun to his homosexual son that killed himself. And I'm like, you forgive the guy who sold him a gun? It's not the guy's fault. The guy sold the guy a gun. It's like, okay, I work at a, I mean... Well, uh, well okay, did the guy, well, okay, the guy obviously didn't know what the kid was going to use it for, right? Exactly. It's not the guy's fault. You, it's like you okay. want to buy gas. Now, did this, okay. Did this, now, did this guy, okay, um, was it told from a store or did this guy just sell it? I don't remember, but it was just an anti-gun comment that Rick Warren made about, well, I forgive the man who sold him the gun. Okay. Well, you know, the guy obviously didn't know what the gun was being used for, so there's nothing there to be forgiven. The guy did nothing out of malicious intent or anything. But Rick Warren is in pretty much riding down in Obama's crotch, and he's doing and saying whatever Obama wants him to say. He's a puppet, and it was a whole anti-gun campaign. And, well, oh, I right. forgive him. I forgive him. I forgive him. It's a sad day when we're considered hyper-conservative for just believing in what's right. <laughs> Now, you know, okay, one last question, Doc. I know we got to go. Um, there are some people who have made a speculation about a, a Illuminati card that they say is possibly foretelling Lady Gaga. <laughs> are you familiar with this? Uh, I can tell you right now, the answer is no. I know, I know. But it was funny, so I laughed. <laughs> <laughs> well. So now the last card on the agenda is the Bruce Jenner card. Go ahead, I'm listening. I'm, I was waiting for you to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, oh, I, thought that, I thought there was something you were actually going to say about it. I'm going, are you kidding? No, <laughs> no. And oh. again, what do I know? <laughs> no, but anyway, yeah, it, it's um, it's definitely worth looking into. I think that if you've got a few minutes on your hands, guys, look it up. Be careful. There are some there are some websites that are going to take you for a, a goose chase. Like, for instance, the Lady Gaga card. But... Um, the cards definitely tell a story, and yeah, there are things. And, and oh, one other thing I forgot to mention also, um, and we can't get into it because we are out of time. I know it, but um, uh, again, if you go to my website and look under the Illuminati World um, playing cards, um, we did a whole thing on the Boston Marathon race also because the cards predicted those events. And I believe you have something up about the pandemics as well, possibly the Ebola scare. Well, well, as I said, I've got a number of very solid examples. If anyone wants to look at the Illuminati content, it says it's on the website. Just go to the Illuminati playing contact and you'll open it up. You'll see all um, those examples. I will be adding more, but those are just, you know, I think, what, seven or eight different examples I gave and, and told the story behind them. Perfect. Well, Doc, I can't thank you enough for coming back on the fourth watch, and we look forward to having you back on real soon. 
Well, thank you for having me, Justin. You take care and God keep you now. All right. Bye-bye. Now, I want to move us into our study on Nehemiah. And I want to remind everyone that last week we introduced the study and the times that had fallen upon Jerusalem and the captivity of 70 years, which was coming to an end. You see, Nehemiah was just brought a word from his brother and some fellow Judeans that the wall of Jerusalem had been destroyed and the gates thereof had been burned down. He was also told that the people were in great reproach. It says in Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 4 that it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. So as Nehemiah heard about these horrific conditions, it broke his heart and he instantly took it all to the Lord in prayer and in fasting. If we read on down through verse 11, we see that Nehemiah is repenting and he's asking forgiveness for his own sins as well as the sins of all of his people, which is essentially what brought about this judgment and punishment in the first place. He then refers back to God's promises from the book of Deuteronomy, and he prays those very promises unto the God who gave them. I've always encouraged you all to not just read the Bible, but to know it, believe it, hide it in your hearts, and pray it over your lives. And Nehemiah is a living example of that right here. He was praying the word of God over his life. And then Nehemiah prayed that God would grant him mercy in the eyes of the king, as per the upcoming requests. And we'll get back to that in a minute. But you see, Nehemiah knew that the place that he had to start was in fact a place of repentance and recognizing his sin as well as the sin of his people. If we want to rebuild our lives or we want to help others rebuild theirs, we have to start in that same place that Nehemiah started. And we can't just place blame on everyone else. But just like Nehemiah did, we must take responsibility for our own failures, for our own shortcomings. We have to take responsibility for our own sins. And it's not hypocritical to call out the sins of others as long as you're recognizing and repenting of your own sins. But we need to be so sensitive to sin in general that it's very surfacing will register on your radar. Now what I mean here is that as soon as we sense any sin entering into a conversation or a situation, we should be on guard and ready to take action against it. Some of you may be thinking that I'm getting legalistic, but I'm going to remind you that it was the sin of the Jews that brought about this whole 70 years of captivity and destruction. And I can assure you that their iniquity started off as small, nonchalant sins. That's how it always starts. But when we're truly repentant, and we recognize our sins and we lay them down at the cross. God will begin renewing in our lives. God always welcomes a broken spirit and a contrite heart, ladies and gentlemen. Psalm 51:17 actually tells us this. A broken and contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. If you come to God with a broken and contrite heart, he will welcome you. So if you're seeking true restoration and true rebuilding, you need to make sure that your heart is in the right place. And it's important to follow the pattern of Nehemiah's prayer. First of all, he recognized the character of God. And then his prayer actually declared the stark contrast between God's character and the character of Nehemiah and his fellow people who had sinned. Now, real quick, the ruin that you're concerned with may not be yours personally. But you may be concerned with ruins in the lives of your friends and family members. 
and you want to weep and mourn and tell God about it. And that's right. That's always the place to start. For God is a responsive God. He gives attention to the prayers of his people. And if we don't take our needs to the Lord, we're not being faithful. Now, the second thing Nehemiah did was to repent of all personal and corporate sins. This was stepping back and honestly facing his own guilt. He put himself into this picture, saying, I confess before you, Lord, the sins of myself and my father's house. We're talking about a corporate claim. And there was no attempt to blame others specifically for this. It was a simple acknowledgement of wrong, period. And this is important. Whether you're coming to the Lord for ruins in your own life or for ruins in the lives of others, you need to understand this because you have to repent of your own sins before praying over the sins of others, which is exactly what Nehemiah did, friends. He wasn't casting blame on everyone else, but rather he was putting himself in that corporate group of sinners. And this is that group of people who needed a miracle. Then thirdly, Nehemiah reminded God of his gracious promises. In the book of Deuteronomy, chapters 28 through 30, Moses prophetically outlines the entire history of Israel. I bet they didn't see that coming. But he said that they would disobey God, that they would be scattered among the nations, that they would go into exile. But if they would turn and acknowledge their evil, it says that God would bring them back to the land which he promised them. Nehemiah reminded God of that gracious promise, and he prayed it over his life and over the lives of others. Now lastly, the fourth thing that Nehemiah did was request specific help to begin this process. Rebuilding the wall in the city was not going to be easy, but Nehemiah knew that he had to do it, and it was going to take the authority of the top power in the entire empire, which was none other than the king. And that was not going to be easy to arrange for about a hundred different reasons. But Nehemiah believed that God would help him. And so he started to pray and he asked for grace and strength to carry out the steps that were necessary to begin this recovery. Now you might be thinking that you're not in a place to start rebuilding. Or maybe you're feeling like your losses are already too great to try to cut and move forward. You might be feeling that your loved ones are hopeless in whatever situation that they're currently in. But if you're willing to start where Nehemiah started, you're willing to confess your sins, and you're willing to pray about the sins of your loved ones and the circumstances that surround your life, and you're willing to pray for the sins of your nation, your culture, the world system, and you're willing to prepare your heart for rebuilding, I guarantee you, that the Lord will meet you right where you're sitting and he can bless you with the rebuilding and the restoration that you need. Nehemiah needed a miracle and we need a miracle. Let's start where he started. I want to encourage you just to take a moment to thank God for his redeeming power and thank him that he can hear your cries and that he accepts your repentance. And that he accepts your prayers. Just thank him for that right now. I want to encourage you to ask for convictions to be reset. Where you may have grown callous over the years. Ask for your hidden sins to be made manifest. For total repentance. Thank God for preparing your heart for total restoration. As you set out to rebuild from whatever ruins have been set before you. 
And lastly, ask for God's extraordinary grace to overflow your life as you continue on this journey of faith, as you grow each day in the knowledge and saving grace of Jesus Christ Yeshua. If you're listening right now and you haven't accepted the Lord Jesus Christ Yeshua as your personal Lord and Savior, and you haven't accepted His holy sacrifice on the cross to pay for your sins, it's absolutely impossible for you to have a solid understanding of His Word. It's impossible to find protection from the demonic realm and the days that are fast approaching, friends. And furthermore, it's impossible to have peace with Yahweh Elohim, the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ Yeshua. But here's the good news. You can start anew right now. You can repent of your sins and have the wages of your sins paid in full. Now is the time to repent and turn away from your sins and make right with the will of God. You see, the Bible declares that we don't know what tomorrow holds, so we must take action with the time that we have right now. Repentance is the first step. This means turning 180 degrees from your past thoughts, actions, and lifestyles that are in opposition to the Most High God. Because of Jesus Christ Yeshua and His once and for all sacrifice, you can be forgiven of your iniquity and every sin you've ever committed. Yahweh is a jealous God, but He's also rich in mercy. And tonight, if you're willing to admit your wrongs and repent, He's willing to show you that mercy right now, friends. The wages of our sin is death, but tonight we can receive the gift of God, which is eternal life. But as it says in Romans 6.23, Only through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's no other way to come to God, folks. There's no other way to get salvation. You can't earn your salvation by good works. Fact is, Jesus Christ is the only way. Every other way, folks, leads to hell. There's no authentic way to the Father but Jesus Christ Yeshua. I'm so thankful that God sent His only begotten Son to die on the cross, a living sacrifice, and shed His sinless and perfect blood to pay the debt of our sins and the ability to be seen as blameless before God on that day of judgment. Let today be the beginning of your communion and peace with God as you're filled with the Holy Spirit and begin putting on the armor of God and growing into an intimate relationship with Him. It's the will of God that you don't perish, but rather that you repent and enter into a relationship with Him based on His terms. If you're not sure of what God's terms are, I want to challenge you to start reading your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, get one and learn firsthand what God expects from you. Christ is our only hope, friends, and my prayer is that you believe on Him tonight. That's the most important part of the show and by far the most important decision you will ever have to make in this life. Amen. It's been an interesting adventure tonight, and I hope you've all enjoyed this broadcast. If you ever miss a show or would like to go back and re-listen to an old one, every show is archived in high-quality streams on my website, fourthwatchradio.blogspot.com. That's the number 4-T-H-W-A-T-C-H-R-A-D-I-O.B-L-O-G-S-P-O-T.com, fourthwatchradio.blogspot.com. There you'll find every broadcast dated and summarized for your convenience. Be sure to scroll all the way down on each page and click on the words Older Posts to be taken to more pages of archived shows. You can also find my shows broadcasted by the Fourth Watch Radio Network on Shoutcast, Spreaker, iTunes, or if you have an iPhone, iPad, or Android, you can download the Fourth Watch Radio Network app and enjoy easy streaming. 
For higher quality broadcasts, stay tuned in via fourthwatchradio.blogspot.com for all the latest shows. Like us on Facebook and feel free to add my personal page as well. If the Fourth Watch is ministered to you and you would like to help support this ministry, you can follow the link on our website. I bid you all a week filled with grace and peace in the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll see you all next week. God bless and good night. You're listening to The Fourth Watch with Justin Fall on the Fourth Watch Radio Network.